The gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's gospel beginning in the 28th chapter at the 16th verse. It's otherwise known as the Great Commission, and Matthew wrote these things. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. And the moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O Lord, help us to know that we are the ones sent and allow us by your grace and power to be your disciples in the world. Open our ears, hearts, and minds to your word for us this day. Amen. I think the question for this morning is simply this. Is it safe to trust? To be more specific, is it safe to trust the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us down the hallways of this and every other day of our life? It seems to me it is a fundamental question to be looked at today because Jesus told the disciples that he had been given the authority to send them out into the world to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach everything that Jesus had taught them. And really don't be afraid, because surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So could life begin again for these disciples in Jesus' absence? Was it safe to trust? Was it safe to hope again? Was it safe to go on living their lives as bravely as they could, believing that things would be okay? Because, you know, there are so many things that make us afraid. We're afraid of losing our jobs, of being ridiculed, that people will talk, that we will fail, that our spouses will be unfaithful, that we may get cancer. We fear that we are not raising our children in the right way, that the economy will collapse, that we might be in the next bad bad highway wreck, or even now the victim of a terrorist attack. We're afraid that the airplane will crash, that we'll be out of fashion, or perhaps even worse, that somebody might think we are old-fashioned. We're afraid that war will break out in another part of the world and that there'll be a nuclear accident, that the water that we drink is somehow contaminated, that the ozone layer is getting thinner, and that we if we're not careful, might indeed still blow ourselves up. And then, of course, we are afraid that we will die. And, of course, we will die. And so will the people that we love most in the world. 
So we're afraid of sickness, disease, hospitals, and nursing homes. And worse than the physical death at the end of our lives are all those daily deaths of self. The fear of being tricked, taken advantage of, cheated, deceived, made a fool of, put down. They may laugh at us, and then we would die of shame. So rather than go out, we build massive walls of protection around ourselves. We'll protect ourselves so that we will always be safe. We have many defenses, both inner and outer, so that no threat will ever harm us. So we gather power, prestige, goods, reputation, health, all as hedges against death. We invent schemes to keep others away, becoming silent and reserved, dominant, unreasonable, weak, dependent, incapable, all to mask the reality of our own fear and to keep ourselves safe from being hurt. And yet there are glimpses for all of us when this fear, hiding, protecting, and defending just seems utterly insane. Times when we see, even if somewhat dimly, that it is possible to live differently. A new thought crosses our mind, we fall in love. A child is born to us. We cross borders in our lives and realize that time is running out. And just maybe we ought to take a chance before there's no time left. Or forgiveness comes out of nowhere. A door opens where before everything seemed shut. And we somehow sense that we are still free to choose. We can continue down the path of dull, bland, fearful mediocrity, or we can take a chance and strike out boldly and bravely, becoming something we have always wanted to become, doing something we have always dreamed of doing, but up until that very moment, we were just afraid to take that chance. And you know, to me, it seems it's almost as if there's someone on the other side of the river calling us, urging us on, encouraging us to come on in because the water is indeed fine. Leave your foolish fears behind. Take a risk to trust, to dare, to love, and to hope. You know, I think there is a sin against the Spirit, my friends. And we seldom talk about it in the church, but that doesn't mean that it seldom happens. In fact, it happens all the time. It's the sin of despair. It's the sin of giving up, giving in, surrendering, surrendering to the forces of darkness and hopelessness. It's the sin of being content to live safe, complacent, mediocre lives when the Spirit is urging us to do so much and be so much more. You know, someone once said that every waking moment of being in this world, if we have our eyes and our ears open, we're floating on a sea of grace. I think that's a great image. And the good news today is that the Spirit of God is indeed still renewing the earth, always has, always will. And that very same Spirit will renew each and every one of us if we just give it the slightest chance. 
There's an old story of a seminary student who had two elementary school boys. And one day to help his wife, he took his boys with him for a burial service in a little country cemetery in the hills of Kentucky. And they got there ahead of the hearse and the family. And the boys, as boys will do, actively checked out the whole thing. And they peered down into the grave, which to them must have looked as if it went halfway to China. And the younger of the boys looked up at his dad and asked, Is this what happens when you die? They drop you down in a deep hole? And the father was preparing to give a very wise fatherly response, but before he could open his mouth, the older of the boys responded, Yeah, that's what happens. But don't worry about that. Jesus is strong enough to get you out of that hole. I have good news for every one of us today. Jesus is strong enough to get you out of any hole. Whether you've dug the hole yourself or someone else dug it for you to fall in. Whatever the pit that you are in, hear this. There is no hole too deep. No hole too wide that Jesus can't lift you out of it. Praise be to God. Amen.